This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Pegasus, and the author is Marilyn Holdsworth, and Marilyn joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Marilyn. Hello, how are you? Well, great to have you with us, and this is a great book. Uh, people who love horses, and and uh, in this case, uh, a real thriller as well. Let me read a few things that you have written about your book. Widdled at 30, Hannah Bradley is a successful journalist focusing on animal abuse issues. An accidental meeting introduces her to a lawyer, Winston Caulfield III, and Drawn to Hannah's gentle beauty and fierce commitment to her work, Wynn joins her in a fight to save wild mustangs from slaughter. Together, they rescue a badly injured horse with a mysterious background. That's Pegasus, this mysterious horse, and he has quite a story right from the start. He has an event that uh, almost takes his life, right? Exactly. (laughs) He's in a very bad accident. Very bad accident. We'll get into those details. Marilyn, tell us why you're so focused on this, your interest here, and why you wrote this story. Uh, Well, I've always been very interested in in horses and loved horses and had horses throughout my lifetime at various um, occasions. I don't have any right now, but I did have. But my real interest is in the, uh, the preservation of the wild horses, and the um, uh, abuse um, that uh, poor animals have to uh, endure on many occasions. And my my real reason for writing the book was to uh, raise public awareness of some of these issues that uh, involve the um, preservation of the horses. We don't hear much about abuse of uh, horses, uh, domestic and wild. No, that's true, we don't. And uh, yet it's a very... Um, uh, a real issue. Um, many times they're not treated humanely, and many times they're abused, and many times they're disposed of in in manners that uh, aren't uh, aren't humane. So that's that's my my concern, or so, one of my concerns about the animals. I I'm an animal lover. I love all animals, but I particularly love horses. Pegasus is more than a horse story, more than a love story. Of course, it's a book that takes the reader on an action-packed adventure while raising awareness of significant issues. That certainly sums it up. Now, this book starts out with a cowboy, uh, Buddy Winters, and uh, Hammerhead. We we meet Hammerhead, who we know a little bit about. Uh, Tell us about Hammerhead. Well, Hammerhead is is um, is a horse that's um, been on the race circuit, and he's belonged to a man that has no scruples, and and uh, he's the horse has not been he's not been able to train him very well, and the horse is, has a very defiant spirit, so he's decided that he's going to dispose of of the animal, and so that's where we are where the story begins. Um, this buddy uh, one is, 
is driving this van to take the horses to be disposed of. And he has three of them in the van, and and this uh, horse is one of them. And this horse is a particularly uh, fractious animal and and is raising a lot of ruckus and upsetting the entire van, and and, um, Buddy just hates him. But anyway, he's got this uh, job to do, so he's he's determined that he's going to carry through, and he's going to get a bonus for getting the the animal to uh, they're sending him to slaughter, and he's going to get him to slaughter before um, his due date, so he'll be sure and collect his bonus. Of course, the unexpected happens. It does indeed. Yes, indeed, he's a he uh, makes a unfortunate stop, but he thinks that uh, it's uh, it's uh, going to be a and uh, Trieste for him with the uh, lady in the in the coffee shop. And uh, anyway, after his meeting up and with her, he makes a bad decision to take a shortcut, and his shortcut ends up with him careening off the edge and going into a ravine. And so Hammerhead gets away. Well, he survives miraculously, and that's 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 uh, yeah, we don't know that. It's a fiery one. crash. Yes, it's a fiery crash, and. Uh, the reports come back that all the animals have been killed and so on, the animals and Buddy, and, and it's totally charred beyond recognition, so they don't think that anything survived. But this is a very um, defiant animal and a very courageous animal, and, and he's, he survives his injuries, and he, he, carry, he gets out into the wild and teams up with a group of Mustangs. Well, then we meet Hannah. Tell us about Hannah Bradley. Well, Hannah's a lovely person. She's a very courageous person. She uh, is a journalist, and she uh, focuses on animal abuse issues. She's a great animal lover, and she's very interested in uh, supporting anything that has to do with with animal preservation. And she's uh, written a series of articles that have been highly successful in the uh, published in the Wall Street Journal and about. Um, puppy mills and, and uh, that kind of uh, uh, thing that's gone on with animals. And, and she uh, gets into, into uh, interested in the, the horse uh, issue because she reads an article about the Mustangs and the um, opportunity for adopting Mustangs. And she gets interested in that and then has this chance meeting with this uh, lawyer, uh, Winston Caulfield, and they um, they uh, develop a relationship, and so it grows from there. And then uh, he, in turn, has a ranch that um, is outside of the city, and and uh, he takes her to the ranch to uh, to ride and to see the property. And he gets an idea that perhaps, since she's so interested in the horses, that he can set a um, a, a part of his ranch off and, and uh, build a barn and get it ready and, and that they can adopt some animals. So, uh, and then that she can, she can work with uh, getting these animals trained and, and turn them into trail horses. So that's, um, that's where um, their uh, relationship is leading and they, they decide that they'll go together to one of the, um, to one of the um, holding complexes that where they can find some of these wild horses. And uh, so that's where they go. They go off to Nevada together to see about that. And that's where they meet up with with um, uh, Pegasus. Uh, Hammerhead is 
Pegasus, but at any rate, they, they meet up there at the at the uh, holding compound. The horse is very badly injured, and um, Hannah and Wynn decide to rescue him. So and that's kind of in a nutshell what's going right, on with that. Right, and of course, all these great intentions to help Hammerhead, who I guess they name Pegasus once they discover all that he's been through, huh? Well, they named him Pegasus because of his spirit and ah. this uh, wonderful okay. um, attitude he has uh, as, you know, survival, because right. he, they bring him home. And Wynn's ranch actually is named uh, Pegasus. And so there's a combination of factors there that um, play into the title. Of course, uh Hannah's search uh, to discover the animal's true identity leads them into a web of black marketeering, and here we go, international intrigue. Exactly, exactly. So the story really takes off. Yes, that's when it really takes off. When they bring bring the horse back to the ranch and they start rehabilitating him, and and, um, he starts to... um, thrive and come come around and and uh, they begin to suspect that he has a different background than just being a range horse and uh, he's in very bad shape when they get him and they he he doesn't uh, have a, the appearance of being a uh, a racehorse by any stretch but as he as he uh, gets his health back he begins to really show his true uh, background and they do Hannah embarks on a uh, effort to discover his background, and uh, so anyway, that takes him into what's going on with this person that has owned Pegasus in the first place, this uh, Vincent Rossi, and he is uh, a person who is running a, an illegal operation where he's supplying uh, foreign countries with um, horse meat. And so, anyway, that's that's the way the direction of the story, and uh, then the discovery by Rossi and his uh, crowd in terms of the fact that the animal did survive, and then his determination to uh, uh, destroy the animal right, once and for all. It's his horse, he believes. Yes, it is. That's what he believes, and he's determined to get it back, and he's de- determined to wipe out any kind of connection. Now they face a race against time to save Pegasus and at the same time save their own lives. Exactly, exactly. And of course, your story, based on fact and based on reality, there's a a lot going on with the BLM trying to work out some of these problems to save horses? Oh, absolutely. It's a very uh, current topic. There's a lot going on to uh, the you know, uh, wild horse sanctuaries throughout the country, and and there's a lot of uh, controversy about it because of the claims by the ranchers of trying to um, argue the fact that there's just not enough forage there, and there's not enough water, and there's it, and the horses are re- po- uh, overpopulating the area, and they're reproducing too fast, and so there's all these issues that have to be resolved in order to. Um, make a um, a viable agreement uh, with the with the ranchers, and it's only going to be uh, good for the horses if they can do that. Well, and you say you've recently read an article about a program where prisoners were training wild horses. Yes, that's right. I did, 
And well, that uh, sounds like an interesting uh, combination there. Yes, it seemed to be. It seemed to be a highly successful um, um, operation where they were bringing these horses in, and then they were selecting the the um, inmates that they felt were um, best qualified to work with the horses and the the horses and the prisoners working together and and uh, they had some very uh, successful experiences with it and then also they had um you know with the um horses being purchased then for some of the um put, uh, oh I, I think of the Canadians particularly um to use them for um border patrols and so on and so forth and they they were they're very sure-footed and they're, they when they're uh trained they become excellent um trail mounts and their background the, the mustangs are an interesting combination because of course they're they're a combination of the uh conquistadors and the, their mounts and also the the indian range horses but also they're they're um a product of when the tractors came in and the and uh things changed in terms of the the farming and the communities and the way that ranching was was being done a lot of these draft horses and horses that have been used returned to the wild and so then they're uh inbreeding into the um into the population has produced a a different um type of uh, mustang rather than the just the spanish mustang so that makes an interesting uh, those horses if if that combination comes together those mustangs are much easier to train i understand than the um true wild um spanish mustang well, one book reviewer said more than a horse story pegasus is a book filled with believable characters and page turning events again the title of the book pegasus the author is marilyn Holdsworth, Marilyn, tell us how to get your book. Well, we can uh, certainly you can find it on Amazon and through Barnes and Noble, and uh, most bookstores are carrying it as well, and of course, Alpha House. Well, thanks for being with us on Author Talk. Well, thank you very much. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903-617-6899, 903-617-6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that LearningRx can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning Rx, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on toginet.com. was sad, right. cause he had a death kill mommy and dad, right. but that ain't the case, oh. it wasn't his fate, no. the wogs never struggled to communicate, ha. y'all wave your hands, look who's on, it's the code of Mag Keith and he's 
number one. It's That Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, That Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wan and the show, go to his website, KeithWanWANN.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody crack because the Coda Man's on. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody crack because the Coda Man's on. Don't miss That Keith Wan Show. Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Grandma and Me, and the authors, Terry Clark and Kathy Picorni. Terry and Kathy join us now on Author Talk. Hello, ladies. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good to have you with us. Uh, we're going to start with Kathy. Kathy, uh, tell us the motivation for the book. Well, a year ago, Terry and I uh, became grandmothers. We were, I was looking for a shower gift, that, a story about a grandmother and a grandchild, and couldn't find one. Um, shopped everywhere, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, everything. The only thing I could come up with was like a story about Oh, bear, animals. Otherwise, all of the other grandmothers just didn't look like us. You know, they kind of had this stereotypical, I don't want to really, you know, over, kind of overweight, real gray, curly hair, things like that, and just not us. So made a comment to Terry, said, you know, I, I think we could do this. I think we could put a book together that, you know, portrays us. And we did. Well, great, and certainly we have that, you know, in our mind, uh, that image of a grandpa, grandma, older, and like you say, like you described, and your grandkids would just probably call you cool. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts, uh, Terry? Yeah, Kathy did look hard for a book, and there wasn't anything out there, so that's when we just decided that we needed to write a book. And I've been a gr- my my oldest grandchild is eight. So, you know, we kind of went off some of the things that I've enjoyed with her and kind of put it together. And our second book is a boy, portrays a boy. So we can have a girl in one book and a boy in, in the next book. Well, what is written about the book says, Grandma and Me is a brightly illustrated rhyming story featuring an energetic grandma and her young grandchild enjoying memorable times together. From carefree outdoor activities through the Christmas holiday, this book delivers a perfect picture of a healthy, active relationship between today's outgoing grandma and her grandchildren. Now, the illustrations, my goodness, they they just bring everything to life. Yeah, we wanted something, you know, colorful. And it took us a while to, to work with the illustrator to get it exactly the way we wanted it. But he, once he got it, he got it, so... Well, and it came together. Right. They really do bring the whole thing to to life. And also the rhyming, that that is always so critical with children, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the book flows nicely, uh, easy read. And that's important for uh, parents. It has to be an easy read. <laughs> no, it does. And yeah, grandparents. Kids don't sit for a long time, so no. it needs to be kind of quick. And, yeah. Right. So... 
you know, you, you start out talking about uh, Grandma and uh, how she looks, so you kind of set the stage right away. Yes, definitely. We wanted to make sure the image was what we wanted. And and her wardrobe. Right. So that, you know, is right at the beginning. We kind of see what Grandma looks like and how she dresses and kind of doesn't fit the stereotype. And that's what you were trying to, uh, you know, that was one of your purposes, right? That was right. definitely the goal, yes. Well, it came through loud and clear. Now, how did you choose the different activities of, what was that, Terry? How did you choose the different activities? Well, it's just, like I said, some of the things that I've done with my granddaughter. Like I said, she's eight, so we um, do go sledding, and we go, we've go. we gone to the, you know, the, did the fall activities, and we bake a lot together and ride bikes, and it's just things that as Kathy's grandson gets older, she'll be doing with him, too. It's just the type of things that we do in our own life, you know. So it's just everyday activities that we do with the kids. And, of course, Kathy, you've got to take the grandkids shopping. Oh, of course. That's come on. Yes. <laughs> and that's fun with Grandma. You bet. You bet. Because the kids know when they go out with Grandma shopping, they're probably going to get something. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yep. <laughs> well, that's a lot of fun. So we ride bikes, and uh, you, you, you work in the garden. Now, who's the gardener? We kind of both are. We both have nice flower beds in our yard, so it's something that's relaxing that we enjoy doing. So you get the kids involved. You get the grandkids involved. Oh, yes. Yep. And swimming at the pool, is that something? Do you both have pools? or? Um, we don't both have pools, but we do attend a public uh, swimming pool here in town, and we try to do that about once a week. So during the summertime, get together, and it's a lot of fun. Right. A lot of fun. Definitely. Now, um, you had some messages that, that you, the themes that, that stand out in the books. Uh, and like we've talked about, uh, this grandma is an active and outgoing woman that loves spending time with her grandchildren, making memories. And of course, today, somebody said to me the other day, you know, middle age is 70 now. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Yep, times have sure changed. So you, yes, you two are you two are real active, probably more active than in than grandmothers in the past. Oh, definitely. So it's a it's a modern update. You're you're not only uh, having fun as a great read for the kids, but it's a modern update of grandma. Exactly, because I I remember my grandmother never even left her house. I mean. Grandmas of the past were stay at home, and and today's grandmas out working. You know, they're not um, stay at home grandmas anymore. Right, I agree. My grandmother was um, an at home mother who took care of the house and the family, and made the meals, and and was just always there. And now grandmothers are still in the working force. Uh, you know, we're still socially active. Everything so very different. Yeah, me too. I remember my grandmother. Seems like she was always in the kitchen. Yes, yep. You know, my memory. <laughs> always baking, always cooking, and, and of course she loved it. She loved to do that, and, and we loved her doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm sure you do that as well. Let's see. Is is that any? Is that? Well, of course, you're. Yeah, you're making Christmas cookies and and. Uh, oh sure, it's not the, right. We still do all those things too, but um, you know, it's just so much more now. And I thought a gr- a great thing was uh, going out just to look at the stars together. Oh yeah, we um we're stargazers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is, that is fun. I mean, that's more than fun. That's, uh, well, that's inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Well, any closing comments? Uh, Terry, why don't we start with you? Well, we, we just really like to get our book out there to grandmas out there that are, are in our age group and can relate to the story and to um, the image. Locally, we've had very good reception to our book. I mean, you know, people in our area, um, we've had grandmas have taken it to the schools with their grandchildren and read it to them and things like that. So locally, we've we've got great reception for the book, and we're very happy about that. Well, good for you. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Kathy? Yeah, I totally agree with Terry. Um, local response has been wonderful. I think anybody that sees the book will totally agree that grandmother needed an update and really, you know, like our image that we've portrayed here of her. Um, it's It's a great story. So uh, I'm hoping that everybody out there will be interested and like to get a copy. Uh, we do have a website, if I could tell you that. Please. So that we could, okay. And it is www.grandma-me.com. Grandma-me.com. Yes. Well, this is a lot of fun, everyone. Grandma and me, a grandma and grandchild enjoying time together, making memories, interacting while doing indoor and outdoor activities throughout the different seasons. As we were just told, you can get it through the website. Where else can we get your book? You can visit Barnes & Noble and Amazon and also available through AuthorHouse. Terry Clark and Kathy Picorni, thank you so much for being on Author Talk. Thank you. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Coming live from Seattle, Washington, home of the biggest and best internet companies on the World Wide Web, it's SEO Radio, starring Brandon Knott. Tuesday nights at 10 Central, 8 p.m. Pacific on Toginet.com. SEO Radio. This pioneering internet and social media entrepreneur will share some of his most super efficient opportunities with you, small business owners, and future entrepreneurs to help you build a future like Amazon or Expedia Online. There's never been a marketing strategy that's been so effective at allowing small businesses to compete with the big boys. And Brandon now helps you learn these easy as one, two, three. SEO. For more on Brandon, check out his website, SeattleOrganicSEO.com. SEO Radio. Get set for SEO Radio, starring Brandon Knopf. Tuesday nights at 10 Central, 8 p.m. Pacific, on Toginet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories. 
and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, My Short Stories, book one. And the author is Anne Shire, and Annie joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Annie. Hello. How are you, Steve? Good to have you with us. I'm going to read something you've written just to kind of set the stage uh, for our discussion. You say this, This is a collection of my short stories that I've written about people and their relationships and the common problems that they face every day. Issues like marriage, divorce, murder, betrayal, seduction, and deception, as well as other topics like the human condition and the many things that affect it. Well, that kind of covers, uh, that sounds like a soap opera full of uh, all kinds of stories. That's really what makes up real life, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why did you decide to do this, Annie? Well, uh, my motivation for writing this book comes largely from my personal life experience. I felt I had something to say to people, and I wanted to share it with them. And writing about it in a fictional way was far easier to do than just talking directly about my own life experiences. So um, what I did is I made up my own characters that will say and do whatever I want them to say and do and, and convey my message to my readers through them. So we're talking about how many short stories in book one? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yes. On all kinds of subjects. <laughs> well, yeah, I wanted to go for variety, too, you know. <laughs> sure. And uh, and also, as you say, uh, the experience of reading these is that truth is often stranger than fiction. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, sometimes you just couldn't make up things that are actually true, because your imagination just can't go that far. You know, if you've never experienced something, you just sort of um, have to draw from what you know already. So even though these are, this is called fiction, it's based on a lot of your experiences and, and experiences yeah. of others around you? Uh, that and, you know, any kind of research that I've done. Okay, everyone. Uh, I tried not to limit it to my personal experience. Right. But, uh, I but know yes, I, I noticed, my personal experience is a starting point, definitely. I noticed one short story had a reference to a news event. Yes, yes. Um, which one was? Which one are you referring to? Well, it was the second one. I can't remember the name of it, the title right, of it. Right. Um, oh, that was uh, A Murderer Among Us. Ah, Okay. Um, well, it struck me that this story was an unusual, and I think that's why I picked it up. And I, I identified with it because it was a mother who had lost her son to a heinous, you know, group of murderers, one of which was a young offender. And it just so happened that uh, the young offender was, uh, was uh, given some time in youth detention, but it wasn't nearly enough. And I wanted to make the point that, um, you know, young offenders are sort of coddled by the law and 
they may end up walking the streets a lot sooner than we'd like them to be. And, um, you know, we never really know who it is that we're talking with, you know, whenever we're talking with somebody. That's right, yes. And um, it just was a story that appealed to me. I thought it was interesting because I'm a mother and I have a son, and also because of the highness uh, nature of the of the crime, and because the young offender was, you know, not very, not punished very severely. You say that you hope that your book will even stir up some controversy because of so. your <laughs> off the wall type of thinking. Now, what do you mean by, by your off the wall type of thinking? Um, well, basically, I just wanted to see that um, my. Um, book is unlike other books with similar topics because it's based largely on my personal experience, but it's not limited to that. Um, I wanted to personalize the story as much as I could, to but to also um, make the uh, determination that um, I want people to see that life is very difficult at times. But I also wanted to see, uh, wanted them to see that a person can begin to think that even though things will never seem to change for the better, with determination and a positive attitude, they can. So um, no matter what happens in life, no matter how strange and how unusual and how horrible it might seem at the time, things can turn around. And uh, I, I wanted to, I wanted to remain upbeat, even though I wanted to talk about some things that aren't so nice but I did want to remain upbeat so uh, whatever anybody thinks about my personal life experience I know what I've lived through well you say this the state of marriage today in my mind is the most controversial aspect of my marriage specifically how marriage is viewed by men as opposed to women how marriage is viewed by men as opposed to women I think that men like marriage because it's very convenient um they have a wife a mother of their children housekeeper <laughs> unpaid maid if you'll have it uh women on the other hand uh seem to think that uh, a lot of the load lands on their lap and they end up doing a lot of the work at home as well as working outside of the home in some cases so, in many cases so, um, yes, that's a little bit lopsided, I think. Well, I wanted to present the idea that women are carrying a lot of the load in the marriage. And also of the struggles for husband and wife to deal with all the challenges in life, like in your first short story, where you have the hardworking husband, the hardworking mother and wife, but at the same time, there doesn't seem to be enough for the husband. Enough for the husband, yes. That, that really kind of, um, kind of reflects my own life in a sense. Because, you know, I thought that I had given everything I had to my marriage. It was my second marriage as, as it happened. And, um, and yet, after my son was born, our son was born, um, and I was devoting a good part of my time to, you know, take care of my son. Um, all of a sudden, my husband had other things to do. And uh, I don't know, He one day he came to me and um, shocked me by saying that he um, 
He couldn't handle being a father. And I said, what are you talking about? You wanted this kid, you know? You wanted this kid just as much as I did. And he said, yeah, but I just can't handle it, you know? And I said, and after crying for a solid week, I said to him, look, if you don't want to be here, then you shouldn't be here. You should leave. And after he left, it did take me a while to get used to the idea of being on my own. But I found that it was better being on my own because I was, it was more at peace. And I wasn't having to count on anybody else but me, you know. So basically that's it. I, I just feel like um, in my life I felt like uh, he wasn't getting enough for me. And for some reason I thought I'd given him everything I had, but it obviously wasn't enough. Well, we're very saddened by your personal story, but at the same time in your short story on the subject, uh, of course, you leave us with a feeling that the straying husband now has uh, much more than he bargained for. (laughs) That's because I knew somebody who had um, a child with another woman while he was married to somebody else. So he had a double life. I was one of the first very first short stories I ever wrote about a a man with a double life. Well, I even asked this guy who happened to be a friend of mine, I said, so I said, "Um, so how many, how many kids do you have? You know, he says, oh, I I don't know. I think I have about 12 worldwide. (laughs) I said, "Uh, how many legal ones? And he says, oh, four of them. (laughs) Hmm. I I just, I wanted to crack up, but you know, (laughs) this is the truth, you know? (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Truth is stranger than fiction, right? Well, that's your goal, isn't it? Is to uh, cover I'm the. Just trying to, I'm just trying to present a, a different point of view. I mean, if everybody thinks their life is the same as any, everybody else's, like it couldn't be more wrong, you know? And what appears to be on the surface isn't, isn't necessarily the truth. You know, isn't the truth the way you, you might see it? And you want your readers to just understand life better. Yes, I do. I do, but I also want them to be to realize that no matter how bad things can get, um, there is uh, you know sort of you know light at the end of the rainbow, um, and you know with perseverance and determination you can have a good life again. So I found that my life has become good again. I had to put the past behind me to do it, but I have moved forward. You can, as you put it... That was very hard to do. I'm I'm not saying it was easy, but I I did do it. As you put it, you can rise up out of the ashes and live again and be happy. That's right. That's right. Well, tell us about another story. Uh, Give us just kind of on a different subject. I've got an excerpt here. Thank you. uh, From one called A Call for Help. I've been telling you about these relationships. I mean, maybe they seem kind of... Uh, anyway, you'll, you judge for yourself, okay? Anyway, I've got this excerpt, and I'll just read a couple of paragraphs to you, okay? Thank you. Okay. It's, call, it's from A Call for Help. Uh, the fight broke out, as it usually did, around midnight or shortly afterward. There was always a lot of arguing, followed by a lot of yelling, and then high-pitched screaming. <clears throat> Finally, it would end with what sounded like a very physical fight. Someone was getting the pulp beaten out of her. Usually, someone else in the neighborhood would then get alarmed enough to call the police to try and prevent a possible homicide. But it seemed to those who heard this commotion on a nearly daily basis that it was only a matter of time before one happened. 
Sooner or later, this poor victim was going to get beaten so badly that she would not survive. What were we to do? I knew that our errant neighbors were into drinking alcohol. It was a well-known fact. I didn't know much about excessive drinking at the time. However, except that people who regularly got drunk were more likely to cause trouble. The current suspect in this case was the husband of the family, Evan Jones, whom we thought was regularly beating his wife, Julia. The husband was considered hard to get along with anyway, and his wife often looked too afraid to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. But who knew what set him off? The police had removed him from the situation many times and thrown him into jail to sleep it off for the night. But he would always be released the next day and return home only to do a repeat performance the next night. That's all for that one. Well, that paints a very clear picture. <laughs> yes, that takes us right into the reality. Yeah. And that's what you're trying to do. Take us to a place and present a problem uh, and help. And people can, through their, you know, they may identify and work through the problem themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I know that I know about what excessive drinking can do to people. Um, I've been in the middle of the, you know, struggles of my own, uh, not necessarily with my ex-husband, but, um, you know, at home. And um, I just have to say that, uh, you know, I hope that whatever I write about, people can identify with. You know, they're not, it might be off the wall thinking, but it's based on reality. Right, reality-based okay. chosen to plots and topics. Slant on the, on the story in hand and um, have them look at it from a maybe different point of view. And as you try to remind everyone, uh, it's not easy to recover from horrific events in your life, but it is possible to do it. It is possible, yeah. And from your own experience and the experience of others and of just, I guess, your imagination concerning news events, you're trying to just... Make sure we understand that reality. That's right. Exactly. Any closing thoughts, Annie? Yes, I'd like to say something about how um, that anybody with determination, perseverance, and a good positive attitude can write about their own life experiences, like I did. If they've been on this planet long enough and have accumulated enough different life experiences, then they can write about them. If they don't write well, they can get help from, you know, with editing and proofreading their material. And with the help of a company like Author House, which is where I went, a budding author is never completely on their own. And they can get all the support they need from this company to both publish their book and promote it after it's been published. I found that publishing my first book and trying to get, trying to, you know, promote it presents its own challenges that I hadn't anticipated as much beforehand, but these things can be resolved. And so I'm definitely looking forward to publishing my second book of short stories in the not-too-distant future, I hope next year sometime, uh, through Author House. Well, thank you, Annie. Thanks for being with us on Author Talk. Tell us how to get your book. Oh, um, well, I have an author site called one word. Dot com, and that will tell you everything about me and my book and allow you to order the book if you like 
through Author House. Uh, there are other ways to order it, though, as well. <clears throat> um, and there's a contact page if you wish to, you know, make comments. And um, there's um, there's the news and events page there with uh, news about my um, recent press campaign, my Facebook page, just things that have uh, that are happening here and now. That's Ann Shire. It's A N N E S H I E R. I E R. Very good. Well, thanks again for being with us. <laughs> okay. Ann Shire. Thank you very much, Steve, for having me on the on the show, and I really do appreciate this. Ann Shire, the author of her book, her book of short stories called My Short Stories, Book One. <laughs> 